This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. All right, you guys, the moment is back. As always, we are Dee and Danny, and I'm so excited for today's episode. We have Dr. Natalie Crawford of the As a Woman podcast with us today. Woo! Yay! We're so lucky. Oh my God, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time to hang out with us. I have loads of questions. I know Danny's got a few. Um, I'm just so excited. Thank you. Yeah, me too, for sure. We're super lucky to have you here. And um, I found Natalie, geez, gosh, your Instagram was much smaller, I think. Yeah, it was back when I found you. Yeah. When did you start that, by the way? So I started my Instagram three years ago and just like it grew very slowly and very organically, but now it's just so big. It's wonderful because Mm -hmm. the connections are so authentic because you really, you know, it really grew over time and people have followed me for so long now that it's really a great community. I love that. Well, and that, that just makes you more relatable. That makes your followers more engaged. That just you've built a really beautiful community. Your page is beautiful. I've been stalking it. I, I'm, I'm a follower. Oh my God, it's so pretty. I know. I honestly am just like, it's so nice looking. Your website is so, so beautiful too. I was telling Danny, I was like, or D, I was like, we've got to get this. Like hers is, hers is perfect. Oh, y'all are so sweet. Um, I like learned the website stuff myself and that when you are not a tech person, you're like, and you're very perfectionist. It took me so long to like hit publish because I wanted it to look great. And you know, with all this stuff, we just have to put it out there, edit it as it comes, you know? Yeah. People are so critical. You just have to like know that there's going to be people that are angry about something or pick at you for this like tiny little thing and go with it. Otherwise we're going to hang on to things for too long. Totally agree. So, um, Natalie, should I call you Dr. Crawford? Let's call me Natalie on this. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, so um, we usually start with a, a little question to get things going, our lubrication question. <laughs> and um, I'll give you a choice of what you would like to answer. Um, but the first one that Dee thought of, which I think is hilarious, is if, if you were to choose someone, who would your celebrity crush be? <laughs> Do you have anyone? Chris Hemsworth. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. I bet D likes him for sure. Oh, yeah. He's good, but like, still, Josh Duhamel's a real hot. Like, what is She loves him. What? I just want to say, so I, random. I, I, I know, she loves him. him. He's aged real well. He, yeah. I mean, like, he's just got this salt and pepper thing going on. He's so handsome. He's got a girlfriend now, I heard. I was devastated. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> God. I'm sure she's well, great. I just like, Mine's like Oprah. I can't, I honestly, we went through this. I I like can't think of anyone. Mine's like Oprah. Or like I don't know. I can only think of I women. Just, just I want, I can't only think of women. <laughs> I want, I want well, that's Oprah. so PC. I'm sure my husband would have loved if I'd said Oprah, but <laughs> mine used to be um that guy that was on the Pope. What the heck is that guy's name? No. Uh. Oh God, I don't know. He's not aging well though. It'll come to me later. But yeah, I don't know, like Oprah or something. Well, we can change. I'll choose Oprah instead of Thor. My hubby will okay. love that so uh, much more. Okay, no, perfect. All right. All right. I, um, I would love Oprah so 
like wrap me up in a warm hug. Oh, no. <laughs> Who freaking wouldn't? That would just be beautiful. Yeah, no, I love her. So Dan, how have your breastuses been? <laughs> My breastuses have been, uh, they've been great since I've been wearing that third love bra. Right? I need love it. Yeah, no, I I definitely do. I'm trying to think what my favorite part of the third love bra is. I The straps that don't fall down would be number one. I love the memory foam cups on them because it oh, just yeah. doesn't ever lose shape. Yeah, the memory foam cups, which seem to fit my boobs in between cycles because, you know, you get your boobs yeah. swell per one week and then the yeah. next week they're a little bit smaller and it seems mm-hmm. to not give me the gap in the yeah. bra or anything like that because mm-hmm. you know I hate the boobs aren't the same size every single day unfortunately no. maybe that's fortunate I don't know but there are so many reasons why I love the third bra or third love bra my I know and then they have third love bra <laughs> I love that they have so many different sizes like I didn't know there were so many different sizes for a bra but they have half sizes. They have like 70 different sizes. It's super inclusive. So there's yeah. something for every woman. No woman left behind. No. That's for sure. Or anyone you can that find feels out. like a woman. You That's know? Or anyone that feels like a woman, for sure. Yeah. And how do you choose your size? The Fit Finder quiz. So which, easy. With Which we've both taken and thoroughly Oh, enjoyed. I loved it. Yeah. And, and you, you don't even have to go to the store. And, yeah. You pick out your brush shape. You pick out, um, like, how your current bras fit, how your best bras fit. And then they, like, pick your size. And it freaking works. It's awesome. Yeah. Totally works. I don't need another bra. I'm thrilled with this one. And I also love Third Love because they are giving our listeners 15% off their first order. Yes. So you can go to thirdlove.com slash WOMED now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. And if it doesn't work out for you, you can wear it, wash it. And if it still doesn't feel right, you can return it and they'll donate it to a woman in need. God, I love Third Love. I love They're it. so good. They're so good. That's thirdlove.com slash WOMED for 15% off your first third love order woo thanks third love yeah thank you okay all right now to serious stuff so can you tell us how you get to where you are today your educational path all the tracks you've taken well first um, i mean you're a reproductive endocrinology like expert and with infertility Yes, it's REI, so Reproductive Endocrinology and Infertility. It is a crazy long path, almost feels embarrassing to admit out loud how long you're in training, but it's great. And the reason why is it's so complex. You know, reproduction is so hard. It takes a lot of years to learn all of this. So I did four years of undergrad, four years of medical school. I actually matched into emergency medicine and did a year of emergency medicine before I realized I really loved women's health and I wanted more Mm -hmm. continuity with my patients. I wanted a bigger connection. So then I switched to OBGYN, four years of OBGYN, and then three years of a reproductive endocrinology and infertility fellowship. And in my fellowship, I also got my master's of science in clinical research. So I know it's a lot. I've only been out in practice for less than three years. And, um, 
But you have such a wealth of knowledge. Holy cow. I love it. You know, to be honest, I, at the med school stage or the college stage, I was so Mm -hmm. intimidated by that thought of a length of training. Like who would do a really long residency or fellowship? Who wants to do seven or eight years of post-grad training? But the reality is that that's really impactful time in your development, Mm -hmm. learning those skills and how to have confidence in yourself and really hone in and be an expert in a field. I love that aspect of it. So I try to encourage all young women, hey, no matter what your interest is, never let lifestyle, length of training, these perceived societal barriers stand in your way. Because if it's going to take a long time to do it, it's probably because it's going to be really great. And the time is going to pass no matter what. Mm -hmm. It's all going to be worth it. So, so when did you have your, your kids in your training? At what point? So I had both my kids in my fellowship. So I had one, my daughter I had during my first year and my son in my third year. And we tried for my daughter before that. We had infertility and it took a long time. And my son was a surprise little lovely blessing. And he was super easy, just, just as his personality is. And so we really lucked out with that. And they are 15 months apart. So we had some years there where we thought we were the craziest people on earth. I was like, yeah. I'm trying to like learn how to start a practice. And I have a six month old and my brain's exploding from too much progesterone and oh all this God. stuff. But uh, it's great. And now they're like best friends. So they're three and four. It's, it's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I love your pictures for sure. So, Thank you. And it's, it's honestly like really inspiring. I think I mentioned to you before and Danielle and I have talked about it too, about how we're talking about freezing our eggs and like how this is yeah. ever going to work and like fit into life and whatever. But, um, your podcast and following has taught me more than my own experience with, physicians, which is crazy. I just haven't gone, like I haven't taken the steps to really learn a lot. So like your information is invaluable. Um, Isn't that every woman though? Like nobody, when you go to the gynecologist, you're getting a pap smear, you're talking about contraception and maybe an STD test and you're on with your way. And that's like it. But no one's telling you like, okay, by this age, you should probably like freeze your eggs or you're going to have decreased chances of getting pregnant. Like or having a healthy baby this way. Like, yeah. I, I don't even know how my reproductive cycle works. I, I've learned more like from you. <laughs> I don't that's even, it's embarrassing. No, it's but so I embarrassing. think that's society is we don't talk about our periods. We don't talk about getting older. We see mm-hmm. celebrities having babies at really old ages that just kind of yeah. makes the perception that we can delay for our career without there being a consequence. Mm-hmm. And nobody's talking about it because that's such a good point. having a yeah. child in your career can be such a setback or a perceived setback mm-hmm. that nobody wants to really bring that up, even though internally it often causes a lot of anxiety. Yeah. I feel like this, personally, this is the first time in my life that I'm in a spot where I'm not focused on the fact that I'm 33 years old. I am not married. I do not have a boyfriend. I am going to be of probably of advanced maternal age whenever I do have kids. And I'm very okay with that, but it bothered me for a long time. I was like, I'm just getting older. I'm not going to have kids. Like, I really want to be a mom. And... I mean, like, I feel very comfortable right now that, you know, it'll happen when it happens. But I do have questions, like, should I have frozen my eggs? Should should I freeze them now? Like, You're the perfect age to freeze them now. But I also think that this is so 
I don't want to say trendy. I'm going to say timely. Egg freezing feels trendy. And the reason why is that it was experimental until 2012. And so we weren't talking about it because we did not have the technology to have the egg survive the freeze-thaw process very well. And so you weren't getting a push about it. Now that the tech is so much better and more and more eggs are surviving the process, it came off experimental in 2012. And now it's kind of being rolled out to the public in a way that it seems like, oh, this is a big trend. I don't think it's a trend. It is here to stay. It was just science has advanced itself. But because it was not talked about for so long, women don't really know if it's an option. They don't know when it's the best time for them? How do they go about doing it? It feels, it's so unknown that it feels scary because the unknown is always scary. Well, and like what age is like the best age to harvest your eggs? You know, it looks like studies have shown that if you are not in a spot to start trying to get pregnant by 32 Mm -hmm. to 34, that's the optimal time to freeze your eggs because they're still of good quality oh, wow. <laughs> and you still have a good number of them. So you're intervening. Danielle, we're in. So we're you're, so perfect. Okay. If you're ready to start trying at that age, then, you know, maybe yeah, start no. trying first. It doesn't matter. But if you're like, um, no life partner, not ready to do it on my own, then yeah. there's no reason we really shouldn't. Oh man, I'm so glad you asked that. And I'm so yeah. glad you brought up the thing about the trendiness, which I was, it wasn't even on my list to ask you, but, uh, I have felt that way too. I'm like, why all of a sudden is there this like huge influx of every, I feel like everyone I know is freezing their eggs. Like if they're in their thirties and I'm like, what, where did this even come from? But women so, are so much more career focused. Yeah. That's they true are. Too. And we, and we're trying to do a better push. I mean, it's why I even got on social media three years ago to just mm-hmm. talk about fertility. And I think yeah. we are seeing that uh, my OBGYN friends, I always say, Hey, there's a front line when they're seeing someone for a pap smear and mm-hmm. giving birth control pills, I'm encouraging them to all say, hey, well, do you want kids sometime? What's your plan for that? You know, do yeah. we need to screen your ovarian reserve? Are you running out of eggs? Should you yeah. freeze your eggs? Are you purposefully waiting? And at least start wish, putting wish, that yeah. in their mind, <laughs> yeah. right? Because that's the perfect person to do it, to say, hey, mm-hmm. great, here's your birth control pills, mm-hmm. but what about your reproductive plan? Are you, do you want yeah. kids sometime? Yeah. Oh, my God. I just want to come see you. I would just love that. <laughs> hey, hey um, I'm down. I, I've always wanted to go to Austin. A little, See, we can do a, a co together free yes, egg freezing. You could do thing. a little cycle together, give oh, each other your shots. We totally could. It's like a little touristy vacation. Take a little Austin trip for a week. We'll knock it out. That'd be good. Perfect. Um, I've actually helped uh, friends out with that at work before that are like doing infertility shots. Like my husband can't do it. Will you just here? Just get it. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's got to do it. That's yeah. Uh, So so Natalie, we. I was going to ask you. Can you tell us about? what your day looks like. I know sometimes you're doing procedures, sometimes you're seeing patients, but like what's a standard day look like for you? And then how do you squeeze in the Instagram podcast blog stuff that you do? Yeah, you're doing everything. That's amazing. You are. Thank you guys. I will admit that I'm a huge believer that your life in medicine, I'm sure you guys feel this way too. It's what you make of it and what you choose as your priorities. If your priority is money, you can work a shit ton and make more money Mm -hmm. and exhaust yourself and be burnt out to the whole rest of your life. So there's some happy balance. So I switched jobs a few months ago and Mm -hmm. I am in a practice that is uber supportive of all of my, we'll call them side gigs or other endeavors. I love it. 
Um, under the idea that the bigger I get on my own, this is where I see patients. So the better Mm -hmm. for them, it is free marketing. And so they are very supportive of time off for conferences to go speak. I negotiated out a four day work week. So I work Tuesday through Friday and I have patient appointments slotted from seven to three because that's a better time for me as a mom, because I love my kids and they're only like so, so in the morning, but they're really great in the (laughs) evening. And so being, (laughs) I mean, whatever. But being able to, (laughs) just feel. Um, So you know, my husband's okay getting them up, doing breakfast, getting them to school. But I'm there every day for dinner, helping with bedtime, doing those things, and that was really important to me. And having my Monday, so I have Mondays off, and having that day off is really where Mm -hmm. I cram the bulk of some of my other stuff: my podcast writing and recording and kind of Instagram planning. I really am an on-the-fly Instagram person, and I always have been, meaning I will, you know, take pictures and edit them and save it in drafts. I'll write things when I'm inspired to write them in my notes, Mm -hmm. on my computer, on my phone. And, you know, I don't really plan out much unless it's a campaign that I'm doing with somebody else. So a lot of it is just when the inspiration strikes me because I find that I write better that way. Well, I love that you're very open about everything that you're doing. I feel like I've gotten a little bit of flack throughout the years. Like even before being on The Bachelor, people were like, well, you're a nurse. Why are you Why are you in a music video? Why are you doing all this other stuff? Like you can't do all that other stuff. And it's like, if you have a dream or if you have things that you like to pursue on the outside, if you like to write, I love to write. If you want to model, you want to do this or that, like don't put yourself in a box. I totally, totally agree. And I will say that it is not the three years of on the social media world. Mm I've heard so like the tide has changed a little bit, right? When I first started, everybody's like, I don't know why you're putting yourself out there. Oh, that's just a liability. You're a physician. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a cute hobby. That's not really going to make a difference. And then now people in my field are like, come speak at a meeting, teach us how to do social media. And I get you know, patients find me from my Instagram. They come in, they've listened to all my podcasts. So when I start talking yeah. about, hey, you're running out of eggs, like I listen to that episode and I'm yeah. educating people before they ever walk in the door. And I think it is such a powerful tool, but I feel the same way, you know, especially yeah. in the medical culture, people mm-hmm. really try to put you into a box and feel like that's yeah. all you should be doing. And mm-hmm. if you have other dreams outside of it, it's like you're put, you're questioning the norm. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Why are you not just happy showing up and working and doing this one thing? Like, sorry, I mean, have a creative brain too. <laughs> yeah. I have other things that I want to fulfill myself with. Why is yeah. that so bad? But there yeah. is this kind of negative connotation. You have to be successful for somebody to step back and say, oh, well, maybe that is worth your time. You're yeah. Like, oh, thanks. I didn't so, really need your approval. <laughs> fine, fine. So would, would you, would you go as far to say as you think that you're even better at both of your jobs because you're doing, because you are doing like separate things? Or do you think it's very just like person dependent? I'm sure it's person dependent, but I feel like I'm a better physician for being on social media. One, because I'm so much more connected with the people that I'm trying to take care of every day. I have a better idea of what they're going through. I know the stuff that they're seeing and what they're Mm -hmm. hearing on a daily basis. And I'm able to reach them in other ways that it also helps break down that normal doctor patient relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People could say that's a negative. I think that's a huge positive. When you talk about infertility, somebody's coming, they're sitting across from me. 
opening up their heart and soul about their fears. Maybe I'll never be a mom. Maybe this, all these miscarriages. What's this doing to my marriage? These are super hard things. And if I'm somebody they don't know at all, that's really hard. If they've seen pictures of my kids online and they've heard my own miscarriage story and they've heard me talk on a podcast before, it doesn't seem as scary as it is initially. So I find that it accelerates the doctor patient relationship in such a good way. It breaks it down to be, I'm just a woman who's trying to help you. And Mm -hmm. I've, I've had nothing, um, from the patient end, but really positive experiences from it. That's, That's awesome. Really I, I, it does really like normalize you. Like, you know, if it makes you approachable. Yeah. It, it like makes you same. very, very approachable. Yeah. I feel like I'm just talking to a friend, you know, which you would probably feel that way, but it is intimidating. I mean, doctors in general have like so much training and are so smart and whatever. It can be super intimidating sometimes to go sit in an office, even though I'm familiar with it or mm-hmm. is familiar with it too. Yeah. It's just like, you know, to have to be vulnerable on the spot and talk to somebody that you don't even know, it's really tough. So, um, I can totally see where you're coming from with that. Yeah. But, um, so D should we like transition into the, yeah, let's keep staring at your little little pink icon. I want it to be your face so badly. I (laughs) I keep looking at it too. I know. I'm just like D. There's a real person here. (laughs) Yeah. Blue striped sweater and my hair is half up. <laughs> Let me give you a visual. Um, okay, so um, I actually I have a question. One of my friends, her name's Jess. She was on Big Brother and on Amazing Race. She's been very open with how much she really wants to have a boy. And I was talking to her last time. I was like, we're actually going to be speaking with a fertility specialist, and um, <laughs> she's just. She's very, I I love her so much. She's just very open about it. But um, her question is, do you have any advice to enhance the chance of having a boy? Because she heard that male sperm die first. So her plan (laughs) is to have um, sex like two, three times a day while she's ovulating. (laughs) I increase her chances of having a boy. Because they just had a little girl. Um, Maverick, she's beautiful. I love her. I'm obsessed. I need to get down to Dallas to meet her. Um, but yeah, is that a thing? So there is a great old wife's tale that <laughs> says that male sperm swim faster because the Y chromosome is so small next to the X. And so they are not mm-hmm. as heavy. Um, we'll call it a wives tale, meaning you're <laughs> going to get a boy 50% of the time with that. The, <laughs> the way to get a boy is to do IVF and do genetic screening of your embryos. And we can select a boy and she can get pregnant that way. And Austin's not very far from Dallas, so she can come hang out. When you guys do your cycle, oh maybe she can come too. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, my God. That's so cool. <laughs> but no, none of those wives' tales about the timing or the position or anything okay. have any real truth to them. Okay. All right. So we have to use science. Is that what you're science, saying? This is yeah, all about yeah. science and research? Oh, okay. <laughs> I know. I know. Got it. I got it. Dang it. <laughs> okay. So um, what are questions? that you can ask your OB to like about freezing your eggs, like how to go about that process. Can any normal like OB do that service or do you have to go to a specialist? 
Great question. You have to see a fertility specialist like me to freeze your eggs, but your OB can certainly be the gateway because Mm -hmm. they know fertility specialists in your area. And they also probably know people who are good and people who are not so great. If you're at your OB, you you can just come to me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, plenty of people just schedule an appointment and come on in and that's perfectly acceptable. So you can just find a REI in your area and go schedule an appointment with them and we can do the whole workup. Egg freezing is typically not covered by insurance. Okay. So usually what happens if you have a traditional, it really depends, but on average, it's going to be eight to 10,000, okay. um, which is a, I say there's, a, you know, that's a long-term investment, right? Mm-hmm. And there will be yearly storage fees. So depending on your lab, it's going to be between, you know, 500 or $600 a year. So mm-hmm. I always tell people that's the cheapest rent in Austin. Store your eggs for a year. 500 bucks is not so much. You can't, um, find, you can't find a cardboard box for that. I know, I know, right? So that's not bad. Um, and I think that the thing that I always tell, so if you're at your OB's office, let's say you're getting your PAP, you, the mm-hmm. question you could ask if you're contemplating it is, are there any tests you can do to check my egg count? And there is okay. a test called AMH, anti-mullerian hormone. It is a okay. blood test. It is going to give a number that's going to categorize you as above average, average, low, or critically low. Okay. It doesn't guarantee fertility in any way. And if it's low, it doesn't mean you can't get pregnant. Mm-hmm. But it's a surrogate marker for your timeline, meaning if you're okay. on the fence about it and your number comes back low, you need to come see me right away. If you're on the fence about it and your number comes back above average or average, you still have free will to make your own choice, but it's not quite as urgent as it might be if your number is low. So this is personal. Yeah. Of course. That's so I saw a guy. I am personal. (laughs) (laughs) I I have boundary issues. So, uh, So I just saw a gynecologist and didn't have like a great experience a few weeks ago, but uh, I made an appointment with a reproductive endocrinologist. So should I send her a message and see if I can get the AMA test drawn before I see the reproductive endocrinologist to like speed things up or? So, so for the vast majority of time, I, I always say that REIs are really nerdy and we love data. And so mm-hmm. I will always tell somebody, I can't counsel you on something you don't know. So if you want to get the most for your appointment, as far as actual statistics and success rates for you, then yeah, if you have the AMH done early, we you can send it over. Oh, AMH. It's AMH, okay. yeah. Then AMH. that's helpful. Okay. If you don't though, it takes about two weeks to get back and your REI will probably do an ultrasound and it doesn't make a huge deal as far as okay. if you have it ahead of time or not. But the more data, the merrier. So if you'd had it done at an OB, you're always going to want to try to get those records sent over so we can know. Okay. All right. Noted. Is is there a test you can do to actually see, to know how many eggs you have left? Okay. So I'm going to give a little spiel right now. Okay. This is my analogy that I try to make every woman understand. So imagine in your ovary, there is a vault. And inside the vault are all the eggs you're ever going to have. And you're born this way. I can't see in the vault. No test can check the vault. The vault is like ironclad. But at the start of every month, a group of eggs is released from the vault. Mm -hmm. In general, the vault keeper is really liberal when you have a lot of eggs left. And she lets a lot of eggs out of the vault. And as you start to run out of eggs, there are fewer eggs released every month. In a normal month, you ovulate one of these and the rest of them die. And then the next month, a new group comes out. So when we do IVF or egg freezing, whatever's been released from the vault, that's all we can get. And that's why some friends may get 
eight eggs a cycle and somebody Mm -hmm. else may get 34. It's all about your own unique potential and what your body releases every month. We can count those eggs on a vaginal ultrasound. It's called the antral follicle count. And that gives us an idea of how many eggs you may get. So I do this on patients and I do an ultrasound. I say, okay, great. Well, for you, it looks like you have 20 antral follicles. That's normal for your age of 33. That Mm -hmm. means that of these 20, like 80% of the eggs will survive the freeze-thaw process. And of those, 75% will eventually fertilize with sperm. Of those, 50% will grow out to be embryos. 60% will be normal, but I can use this to kind of run through this math and say, hey, based on these 20 eggs you're going to get, now I think you're going to make seven embryos and I think four of them will be normal and that's probably a good place for you to be. Or crap, you only are going to have six eggs. We need to plan to do egg freezing and do many cycles because we don't Mm -hmm. have as much available. The AMH blood test is evaluating the eggs that have been released from the vault also. So it can fluctuate because that vault keeper is not perfect and there can be a Mm -hmm. 25, 30% difference. So some women have bad months and good months, but most people don't realize that. That's why there can be such Mm -hmm. a huge variation in how many Mm -hmm. eggs somebody gets. I remember this from your podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now that you're saying I'm, it again. I'm just, I'm, I'm just fascinated. I'm like. <laughs> I know. I am too. I'm like, I could talk forever, but she has yeah. patience. You know, yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> Next. Um, do you think there has been an increase in infertility? There definitely has been an increase in infertility. We're also seeing, you know, all of our census data reporting a drop in births. And so we're Mm -hmm. seeing both of these together. Part of it is going to be career advancement of women, you know, female empowerment movement, which I'm a huge fan of without adequate fertility knowledge has Mm -hmm. placed a lot of women in the age 35 to 45 category, not in the best position for their family. And I always say, if you are so goal driven, you can set these goals and achieve these amazing things. Why on earth are you not preparing yourself to have a family if that's one of your goals? We've been conditioned by society to just ignore that goal until we've got a very perfect setup and we found the right partner and we're financially stable and we're Mm -hmm. at a place in our career where it won't set us back too much to be out for maternity leave or to be pregnant or to miss out on these things. There's no perfect time to have a kid. There's not. And the truth is, I love that women are achieving a lot of things and waiting longer. I think that's Mm -hmm. fine. I just think that we need to be a little more proactive about knowing what that means. Maybe we don't have Mm -hmm. as many children. Maybe we freeze eggs so we can. Maybe we get pregnant single at a certain time. Like what is our really what we're trying to achieve when it comes to family building? Maybe we ignore it. Oh, God. I feel like we're kind of just trying to rewrite the norm. I totally agree. I also say like, it's Mm -hmm. fine to run out of eggs and use an egg donor and carry a baby that's from an egg donor. That's Mm -hmm. totally fine. You're really just, you're really like open to any idea, which Uh, is awesome. Like depending on what the person wants or needs or, you know. And I think the truth is that making women understand that there's, there's no, there's no right or wrong choice here. It's important to understand your body, understand your own options so that you can make the choice that fits you. Because for so long, especially, I don't know about y'all, but I'm a big pleaser. So mm-hmm, if there's sure. a right yeah. choice to make, I'm always trying to make that choice and yeah. make people happy. And I feel like we need to be selfish when it comes to family building, right? We need to make choices mm-hmm. that make sense for what we want in the future. Yeah. I, agree. I should have thought about it a long time ago, but 
I didn't no, you're good. ever have anybody I wanted to reproduce with until like yeah. a year ago. So <laughs> now I'm like, oh boy, I have to, I have to you're like, like get on. I love this, right? It, well, exactly. I never did. I always said I didn't want kids, and I, it was never a thought. And um, you know, like egg freezing wasn't an option when my mom was in medical school and through her residency. So she just had me when she was almost 39. She was 38, but. Uh, like that wasn't really what I wanted to do. And now I'm just kind of scared with, with the, what seems to be the decrease in infer or infertility, which you mentioned, like, I'm like, I gosh, will I even be able to get pregnant at 38? I don't yeah. know. I, I also but, think there's a big increase in infertility. I, I certainly feel like I'm seeing more women who are running out of eggs early. And mm-hmm. I feel like some of this is the environment because right. Babies of the eighties, we grew up you know, heating everything in plastic and being exposed to every environmental chemical Mm -hmm. that there is. And we ate Twinkies and blah, blah, blah. I never ate a Twinkie. I didn't like them. (laughs) Well, good. Good to your good then. Maybe you have eggs. Yeah. Yeah, Those are awesome. (laughs) Maybe you have good eggs. Nobody gave any second thought to it. And now we're realizing that some of these decisions or these things that we just were commonplace could have long-term impacts for our health, including our reproductive health. Yeah. Oh, I said decrease, but I meant increase in infertility. Yeah. When you went through that, sorry. I actually, I have a theory and tell me if this is wrong and I'll stop telling people my theory. (laughs) I I feel like women like our age, I feel this is where I've kind of made this connection with, um, the increase in infertility. Do you think it has anything to do with the fact that we were all put on birth control? I feel like we were like 14, 15, 16 to help our periods, to help our headaches. Like, do you think it's because we've all been on birth control for so long? Does that have any? No, 100% no. Sorry to burst your theory bubble. Okay. No, Um, I'm I'm happy for that because I'm happy for all my friends. What? Really good studies have shown us that long-term oral contraceptive use Mm -hmm. um, will take women approximately one month longer to get pregnant with no statistical difference of rate of infertility at six or 12 months. So it might take you one extra month to bring it back. What we are doing by long-term birth control pill use is if you use them for 10 years or more, we've dropped our risk of ovarian cancer by 90%. No And so we have dramatically dropped the chance that we will have one of the most deadly cancers that we know. Wow. With estrogen-based pills or progesterone? The, or so both? it's by not ovulating. So a combination oh, okay. pill will cause you not to ovulate because okay. the, the easiest way to think about ovarian cancer is that when you ovulate each month, that follicle grows, a little cyst is formed, the cyst bursts mm-hmm. and the egg is released mm-hmm. and the ovary has to heal itself. And it's during those periods of remodeling is when cell division can go out, you know, go crazy. And so when you're on birth mm-hmm. control pills for 10 years, even though you're bleeding, perhaps, depending on how you're taking your pill, your ovaries are these perfect little quiet things. Eggs are being released from the vault. There's no hormone from the brain to stimulate them. So they're just dying. There's no ovarian remodeling or repair from ovulation. And so that's why you've dropped the chance that you'll ever have ovarian cancer significantly. Oh, wow. I was sweating for that answer, but I feel better now. (laughs) Okay. Should we do one one last question or how many do we have? God, there's so much um, good info. There's so, so much. I'm, I'm so I'm so stoked about this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to share this. I know. It's going to be so good. Um, okay. This one is kind of, I guess, a little bit more media-based, like with The Handmaid's Tale. And I go, 
How, like, do you think society is at a risk of widespread infertility like that? Where, like, globally there'll be such a decrease in births? Or do you think it has, it would have to be, like, some sort of catastrophic, like, nuclear event that would, you know? Sorry, it's a little sci-fi. <laughs> no, I mean, I first of all, I'm in medicine, so anything is always possible. I do think we're seeing higher rates of autoimmune diseases and than we've ever mm-hmm. seen in the past. And certainly ovarian failure can be linked to autoimmune diseases and trying to get to the etiology of why that's happening. There's a ton of research being go, you know, going on looking at why we are seeing such an increase in autoimmune disease in the younger population. But I mm-hmm. doubt it will be, you know, so widespread, something like that. But, you know, even okay. thinking about this, let's talk about vaccines, right? Why we love the MMR right. vaccines. Mumps can ca- in males will cause sterility. So if everybody um, stops vaccinating, no. every, we go and have a big mumps outbreak, then we will have men that will not be able to reproduce. And so vaccines are good. We'll just leave it right there. Yes. I'm a fan. Okay. Yes. That's for another, yes. maybe we'll get her on for that episode. Yeah. That's a yeah. whole different episode. Yeah. And if you don't want to be sterile, I can get your you damn don't. vaccine. Right. Don't you want, don't you want a grandbaby? Vaccinate your kids so you can have grandbabies. Oh my God. Anti- oh, we need vaccine. I know. Sorry. No, right. That's well, whatever. They think education, I have their own. Education, education, education. um um you know what we forgot about the nurse de-energy moment oh shit okay i know what's this okay so nurse de-energy um i mean like i wanted to i wanted to be like big de-energy but you know we can't just talk about big (laughs) de-energy on a women's podcast (laughs) (laughs) we're both Danielle, so that's that's where i was going with that but um i want to know like any moments you've had like this week or today or just like in your life that have really made you feel empowered and strong and just like a badass can be big or small yeah I love this question. So this weekend, I'm going to a medical conference. So I'm going to the Midwest Reproductive Symposium, but I'm speaking on social media, like on a national stage. And so talking about validation for this thing I've been putting time and effort into, I will be speaking to an audience of my peers about why I think that physicians should be on social and trying to reach our patients. And that makes me feel like a big badass. I've also- You are. Conference. I'm like, I'm doing a live podcast. I'm hosting a, like this kind of question yeah, and answer yeah. session. Yeah. I'm doing a journal club <laughs> with some of like the leaders in my field. I'm like, why are they asking me to do a journal club? It's because I'm putting myself out there and spending my time here. So I feel like this conference is a really big deal for me. Just validating all this stuff that I've put my time and effort into. I'm so oh my excited. God, I'd love to see a recording. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, guys. I love love doing awesome things. I'm like, sitting over here, you can't see it. I am. When she does that, when she said, get it. When she does that, she puts her whole body into it. She like, get it. She like grunts My little pink figure is not doing that. I know. I I wish you could see her. That's what she does. My MacBook, it broke. You'll have to send me a video of that. I need one of those. I will. I'll DM you a special one. Perfect. <laughs> oh man, D, do you have one? I don't know that I have one. I, I have to think just, about it. I feel like I keep saying it, but like I'm just so excited about all of 
the, the support, like I was not expecting the support mm-hmm. we have seen for this podcast. And I, I, I don't know, I, I don't know why. I don't know if that's just like a, a me thing or like a, you know, a Brene Brown talks about like shame and like those little people that are just like, you can't do this. You shouldn't do this, you know, and, mm-hmm. and just kind of fighting through those. I just, I'm, I'm blown, I'm blown away. I, and I can't say that enough. I'm so humbled. I'm so thankful. This is just amazing. Just the, the love, the support. Like we just officially launched the podcast yesterday, technically, but we, you know, we record things when we can get them recorded. And I just, I feel like I'm on the right path and I'm just really excited to keep bringing, you know, people like Natalie, like out into the, like giving them more of a platform and, empowering women and that just makes me feel so empowered that makes me feel like a badass and I'm just really happy yeah I completely agree I honestly like there's always that little part of you that I don't know like I don't want to get too excited about anything but I feel very refreshed about with this podcast I don't know if you felt the same way when you started yours it was when I released my day you know oh my gosh guys my podcast is live and you have all these people sharing your podcast sharing mm-hmm. what you're doing with their friends sending you messages of support rating reviewing you know taking yeah. their time their valuable yeah. time to do that and I always think a podcast medium is so rewarding because it really is people are giving you their most valuable commodity they are taking time out of their day to listen to what you say it's more than one minute reading what you post on Mm -hmm. instagram Mm -hmm. it really is they are investing in you and that's so meaningful and i want to say you both should be so proud of this podcast launch it's done so professionally so nicely and i feel like it is going to be huge i'm just so honored to even be here and be on it but i'm I'm we're honored to have you on it Thank you very much. I spent so much time sweating yesterday, just in excitement. (laughs) I know. I know. Me too. I'm still sweating. I'm just sweating a lot. Plus, I'm in Vegas right now. It's freaking hot. Everybody sweats in Vegas. It's something else. But yeah, so I feel good about that too. That's that's really all that comes to mind for my big D energy moment. Nurse D energy. I can't even say it right. (laughs) I still said it wrong. But um, thank you so much for your knowledge for your spirit, your light, just coming on here and sharing all that information with us. I want to come down and, and meet with you and do an egg freezing session. Oh, God, D, I'm going to be so jealous. Come I on, am so do it. jealous. We, we, gotta do, we, we should do it. We should do it. Um, we totally should. Please take a second. If you have time, go and check out um, Dr. Natalie Crawford. She has a podcast as a woman, and um, you can find her – uh, Natalie, tell me your social again, just so I get it right. It's Natalie Crawford, MD. Perfect. And do you have a, a podcast site on Instagram too? I don't right now. No, I have okay. a blog. It's NatalieCrawfordMD.com and the podcast okay. and the blog is there too. Perfect. And you can find that podcast on all channels, right? Correct. I, I all that stuff. Good. All of them. Awesome. Love it. She's everywhere. And she's at a big conference this weekend. <laughs> oh my God, that's so cool. That's I'm awesome. so nervous speaking in public. So this is a big I'm so excited. So, because I just went and got the Zara cape, you know, like the white oh. one that AOC wore. Oh, and yeah. so I'm like, I was like, yeah. what do I want to wear to speak? And I like was looking at all my stuff. I was like, you know, I want the Zara cape. And so oh. they had it. And so I'm pretty pumped. Yeah, girl. <laughs> You're going to look. That's going to be a good Instagram picture right thank there. You, thank you. They're doing it for the gram. <laughs> yes, of course, of course. As a kid. <laughs> um, well, 
Okay. That's it. That's all we've got, right? Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having yeah. me. Thanks again. I appreciate it so much. Okay. We'll let you know when the episode's released too. And yeah. Tell me before it's released so it I can help promote want. it. Absolutely. All right. Perfect. All right. Okay. Thanks again, Natalie. Thanks, guys. Great thanks. to talk right. to you. See you later. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. Super excited about this episode. I hope you'll like it. Danny and I are just so excited to continue to bring you badass, empowering women and keep subscribing, keep listening, keep rating us, reviewing, drop us DMs, comments, whatever on topics you want us to discuss, and we'll start working them on in. Yeah, every time I think that the episode can't get any better, I get more and more excited. So please rate, review, and subscribe anywhere where you get your podcasts. And Dee and I both greatly appreciate uh, all of the support. WOMED out!